Hi everyone, welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all, and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Frankly. Today we're going to shift topics a little bit and go into growth or revenue, or dollars, or pounds, or whatever way you want to call it, it's about putting the numbers on the table. Because the point to exist as a business is to make money. And so I've got a couple of really interesting guests here with a rather controversial, or maybe not controversial topic, which is revenue is everybody's issue. You're growing and scaling a business, revenue is everybody's issue. I would say that that's probably the truth because if you don't have any money coming in through the door, you don't actually exist. But to help us join in on that conversation today, we have Richard Jones, who is the growth practice lead at Launchpad. I'll allow Richard to introduce himself in the moment. And we actually have two guests this time, Jessica and Fred. All I'm going to say is it's Jessica and Fred and allow them to introduce themselves and where they come from. And then perhaps we'll get into a little bit of debate on this revenue as everyone's issue. So first of all, Richard, tell us a little bit about you the growth practice and what you're focused on in terms of helping our portfolio at Launchpad. Siobhan, thank you very much. I'm thrilled to join the podcast this week and obviously revenue, something close to my heart. And it's true, cash is most certainly king. So I spent the majority of my career working in venture-backed technology companies across various different sectors. Something I've always enjoyed is really helping companies move from really idea to turn that into revenue. Some great successes with the likes of Groupon, which is a rocket internet startup. And we actually scaled across, I think it was 12 different countries in five months, exited after six, and then the rest is history. And then um, also in other companies and other sectors, such as payroll and pay as you go, get paid as you go, and also the Israeli deep learning startup. I run the growth practice and, you know, our mission there is to really help companies achieve five years of growth in two. And that's that's a, that's a pretty big bar. Scaling companies is not easy, but certainly really excited today to talk through a little bit about how we, how we help our companies do that and what we think the really key mixture is to make that happen. And over to Fred and Jessica, because I understand you guys have worked together quite closely or at least been connected in the past. So what's this relationship um, here? But tell us a little bit about who you are first. Yeah, love to, Siobhan. So maybe just a bit of background quickly on me first. There is a little bit of a parallel with uh, Richard's story. I've been in the last 20 plus years in companies, uh, primarily in the SaaS area. I've always been in sales and sales marketing leadership roles, helping companies scale from either a small amount of revenue or later through the next phase of the sort of execution and, and growth. I'm now currently doing two things. One, the exec vice chair of networking group called Revenue Collective that both Jess and Richard are members of. If we get a chance to talk about that later, great. And then from a consultancy standpoint, I have been involved in helping companies with their go-to-market plans, very much the topic of the day here. That's been really the last three or four years of my life. And um, Jess and I got together about a year or so ago and very recently formalized our working relationship together in a new company called Advisewell. And uh, we've had some experience, which we'll touch on within uh, Launchpad uh, relative to one of their venture companies and really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you both. This is a really exciting day. I come from 
the individual contributor and operations side of the house. So it's a nice balance to Fred's executive mindset. Um, I worked at a number of different companies, City Search, which is in the local space competing with Groupon, all the way through to uh, eMarketer, which was a large global brand selling into the biggest enterprise companies and Fortune 500 companies in the world. And super happy to be here. Jessica, since you were last speaking, is revenue everybody's issue. I might have a controversial point of view on this topic because I believe that revenue is an outcome and that we all try to achieve, but it's not the sole issue inside the business. I think that what we've learned from the diagnostic framework that we've applied to many businesses over the last year is that the other parts of the business, like strategy, operations, sales process, a lot of the foundational elements that you would expect a scaling business to have usually aren't in place. And that if we go deep into the business, that's where some of the main issues lie that are preventing the output of revenue. Maybe in your experiences, Fred, is that what you're seeing? Is it is it really that it's other issues in the business that are preventing the ability to cut this value exchange, to get this revenue in through the door? Well, I, th- I think the challenge that a lot of companies have, and I think there's very much a stage appropriate element to what I'll, uh, I'll add here, is that you know what should they do at what time? And I think traditionally, um, there has been an overly simplistic view of how you scale revenue. If you attach um, a group of salespeople to the customer, you know, all good things will come. Uh, and I think certainly for early stage businesses, as they're looking to prove some element of product market fit, I think that is the way to go. Um, and by the way, it may even be the founders uh, that are also involved. You're looking, uh, I would debate you on this, that I think at that stage of the company, you're looking for less in terms of revenue, you're looking much more in terms of proof described as customers that are willing to come on board that might be uh, bellwether customers that bring uh, followers with them. And in turn, what you're looking for is testimonial and case study proof that is in support of it. If you have those ingredients, then the revenue will follow afterwards. But I think going back to the point about about sales, um, I think quickly as you start to scale, if you don't apply to Jess's points, the science, and the structure within the organization, particularly as it relates to building a marketing department, that not only will provide uh, operational cost benefits by driving leads from them, you're going to continue then to provide a funnel of opportunity for those sales teams to focus on. And if you don't have those ingredients in place, you can start to reach diminishing returns relative to a sales team that doesn't have enough to do. And from your experiences, Richard, and at least from what we see across our portfolio, and naturally, you know, the Launchpad portfolio would never make any of these such challenges and mistakes that we see coming out there. But what do you see as some of the most common things that have to be put right? I think there's sort of four key buckets there, one of which, of course, starts with people. Second one is the market component. Thirdly, product market fit. And then the fourth one is operational capability. I think one of the great challenges you have is, is that there's always a drive of the, sort of the charging horses at the investor level to drive you to really press on to, to drive the revenue quickly. But the question mark is beyond the first three points, on an operational standpoint, is the business actually primed and ready to tackle this hunger? It's certainly something I've experienced in my career myself, uh, heart back to early days of Groupon when we basically uncovered a goods business and uh, started driving some pretty big numbers selling products to, to the market. But what we didn't realize was actually the, 
the lateral and collateral damage that we were doing by selling too fast, too quickly. And we just didn't have the processes in place, the rigor in our background checks to even understand how to capitalize on this market effectively. The net result was high numbers of refunds and also high um, hemorrhaging our, our um, acquisition costs for our customers. So I think it's a really, really tricky balance to get that right in terms of when do you put the foot down and truly start to scale and invest in the sales and marketing teams? Well, this is the second time that we've mentioned stage appropriate because I think, Fred, you were mentioning this. So if I just recall from what you were saying, Richard, there were four things that you need to make sure that you're considering in order to be able to get to this result of kind of revenue. It's about the people, it's about the market, it's the operational capacity. So these processes that Jess talked about. And then what was the fourth one? The product market fit. How, how does that evolve as the company grows then? I, I think at the very early stage of the business, um, frankly, any stage you could debate me on, you have to have a handle on your addressable market. You know, the acronyms of TAM, Total Addressable Market, and SAM, Serviceable Addressable Market, are, are very critical. And, and the former tends to be a, a very large number, which can be highly attractive to investors. But the more important one is the SAM. And I think for the early stage businesses, um, you know, particularly in, in the States, I mean, I, I hail, um, you can probably tell from my accent, from the UK. And here in the US, um, it can be... Um, hidden the candy store type behavior relative to the size of the market opportunity. And it can be very difficult for companies to understand how they should get their, their arms around it. It's incredibly important for early stage businesses that as they define that market, even if it's somewhat directionally accurate for them in terms of ways that they should focus their time on. I'll give you an example. If you're a business that potentially plays both within middle market or SMB spaces, as well as enterprise, trying to take your products to both of those types of customers at the same time at the early stage of your business can be very, very dangerous. Um, you've got to focus on where you can get proof in market with the smallest amount of target market that doesn't ultimately limit. So I think you have to start there. Our approach you know, with our diagnostic model and what we use with the one portfolio company that we work with Richard and Launchpad on, you know, follows really aligned with what Richard said, a, a couple of well, five key buckets particularly. So we first of all look at strategy and operations and strategy fits partly in where I just said relative to TAM and SAM. And of course, a critical component that's tied to, to that market is then what is your value prop, which in turn then ties to what Richard said relative to product market fit. I'll give the others and then and then we can we can jump off into other areas. But sales is next. What what are you thinking about sales? And of course, that will highly depend upon the stage of the business. It might be more execution or into the later stage, whereas an early business is really just trying to do the earliest part of how they're adopting customers to the offering. Marketing, no question. Customer success, how are we keeping them happy and making sure they don't leak. And then also culture and communications, how how is the company thinking about the criticality of uh, the, the organization and aligning everybody around the mission, vision and values of the organization to make sure that um, they want to be on board and in turn, you know, the culture uh, of the organization is an enforcer behind its success too. Right, that's a really interesting framework. So if we take this back to our jumping off point was around revenue is everybody's issue. And Connor Jess is coming in saying, actually, it's not really about revenue and everybody's issue. It's whenever you've got a scaling business and there's the same experience that you're kind of having, Richard, from your point of view is like, look, actually operational capability and those processes and stuff, they just break down when you start to scale. And if you haven't got those right, then there will actually be no revenue at the other point. And it's actually about breaking this down into buckets that make sense. 
So if we build on this, and we've mentioned this idea of the diagnostic kind of a couple of times that, that both Fred and Jesse do with the companies. So there's this idea of, uh, as Richard talked to, people market, operational capability and product market fit. But in some ways, Fred, you're taking that deeper and saying, actually on a diagnostic, we look across strategy. We look at sales, we look at marketing, we look at customer success, and we look at culture and communications. And it is those five buckets together that actually creates the operational capability for scaling sales. And it's, is that fair in terms of a summary of how that brings it, us, us to this point? The diagnostic is an incredibly deep and immersive process. There are something like 300 line items that we dig into that sit beneath those five buckets. And the output of that gives us a couple of things. First of all, we get very close to the business. And, and that's really critical, not only for our understanding of what the requirements and needs are, but it also builds, or it's a method, if you will, for building really strong alignment. It brings about the co-authoring or the joint realization of what needs to be solved for. And so that's why it is so deep. I mean, our, our job is not you know, to prove that we're consultants who know better than others. Our job is to prove that we're working here alongside you to realize the decisions that we should make. I think, you know, the interesting thing for me around the processes that we do, I mean, if you talk to any of these companies before we go in and we said to them, hey, listen, if you were to invest right now in your company, what would be the things that you would prioritize first? And you're going to get a lot of different answers to that. You're probably going to get the one that we started with, which is you know, sales capacity. Maybe I'm doing something on the marketing side. But it's rare for us to hear, and I know Jess will chime in on this, but then to say that we should be investing in sales or revenue operations. And again, the stage of the business will determine the level of investment you make there. But building the operations side is a foundation for understanding not only the health and performance in the business, but also critically, the direction you take. I think a lot of people miss that. It's an informant to where you think your strategy should be going. It's something a lot of companies miss. You might want to chime in, Jess, with some added comments around that. De facto solution is more headcount, right? And we don't, you know, there's no math or plan behind that that says, yes, more headcount is the is the opportunity. And that's, you know, going to help us not only scale, but sustain that revenue growth over time. And I think, you know, installing revenue operations earlier in a business is that it actually, you know, as a function and an operating model for your organization, it helps you to use data to understand where, the gaps or the breakdowns are inside your operating rhythm so that then you can go in and fix those processes that, as you said, Siobhan, inevitably break down as you're scaling, right? So you can evolve those processes and then help to sustain that revenue growth over time. I think Richard also even pointed out that, you know, the way that they scaled at, at Groupon wasn't sustainable and they, they went too fast. And so using a revenue operations model helps you understand as a business what's right and it keeps that gauge or that odometer you know in in the right area you're not in overdrive you're not speeding down the the m3 like you are going at a pace that will allow you to protect the position that you're in i don't know richard have you seen anything similar or different i think it's fundamental certainly you know going through the the different levels of a certain early stage company from seed to series a the really good ones i worked in we were really keen to build this repeatable scalable growth model and one of the key aspects there was it wasn't a relationship sales game as we've spoken about jess and fred but much rather around actually what are the key data points we need to understand such that we understand what the sales capacity needs to be through the different phases of growth. Sales and marketing 
is a very quick way to run out of cash. So, you know, it's, it's an expensive luxury to have. So making sure that that is a considered process is really, really important. And that's where, for me, revenue operations really stacks up. It's also, it's about building the, the commercial apparatus that underpins it, that also provides you in the management function with really good governance and KPIs as to actually what's going on. So you truly have a handle on, on what the business is. Building on that then, Richard, we've mentioned revenue ops a few times here over the last the last kind of 10 minutes. Where would a company, a founder, start to build out revenue operations? Where do you begin? Well, I, I think this is probably a really good one for Jess to pick up because Jess is the tech moderator for the Revenue Collective in her spare time. I think your data quality is probably what, one of the most important areas to focus on. So good input or, or good operations create good outcomes. And everything that we're measuring, it ties to the inputs and the outputs. And so garbage data in is garbage data out. And not paying attention to even if it's a few metrics, right? So it's sales cycle, ASP, average sale price, industry, you know, you can use real basic starting points, but, you know, tracking that data, I guess it's going to start in your CRM. CRM can be a filing cabinet and it can be this terrible administrative experience, or it can be a place that you go to actually find insights and action against them to evolve your business as, as it continues to grow. So I'd probably start with your CRM and ensuring that you're measuring what matters and not just measuring everything. Tied to that, I think automating the measurement of, of cer certain metric is really important because again, to the point of it being inputs that are, are manual, the credibility of that data goes down and down and down and it becomes marginally relevant to the business. So ensuring that some sort of automatic capture of your key metrics is there. And then, you know, beyond that, I think it depends on the type of sale that you're in. It could be a very large enterprise sale, or there's thousands of tech arms that you can attach to your, to your stack. And I don't necessarily think that those are the solutions to a revenue problem, if you will. If, if you're going to say that revenue is the problem, you know, your tech stack is not going to solve that for you. And so maybe that goes back to my point that revenue is not actually the problem that everybody has. But those are the areas, CRM, the data quality, and then measuring a few key data points that matter that help you iterate on your process. And so if you do get the revenue operations correct, Jess, that you just kind of called out, where do you go next, Fred? I mean, out of a 300 line item diagnostic, let's say the company kind of identifies the revenue operations to start to get that into place with the key metrics and understanding about what's happening in the business. What's next out of those kind of 300 line items or, or those five kind of key areas that we talked through earlier? Well, there's absolutely a chronology to it. And that's why I started with target market and value proposition. And you could include in that things like uh, competitive differentiation, the extent to which you need to understand that at the early stage, certainly at the later stage businesses. But thereafter, we're really following an order. And you should think about it within sort of the context of sort of lead to close, right? If we understand at the early stage who it is we're going after, how do we drive leads from that? And then what is the process that we generate those leads through potentially today, a lot of companies are using, you know, qualification teams such as sales development reps, SDRs, BDRs, a lot of acronyms for them. It's a low cost way or a lower cost way to drive leads before you put them in the hands of typically more expensive salespeople. Then we'll look right way through the sales organization structure, where they're deployed, how they're trained and enabled uh, relative to the sales process or whatever methodology uh, is being used around a playbook to understand how they discover, pitch, present, 
negotiate close business. And of course, that sales playbook that's typically called is going to have a very basic nascent look for an early stage company and a more perhaps a more complex, even convoluted one at the later stage business. We'll look at org, we'll look at compensation. And then, you know, we're looking there into the post-sale side. So customer success and how we delight in customers as they come on board, how we upselling and retaining customers. We'll then get into everything around marketing, which in itself is a massive bucket today on how not just we're driving leads, but how we're thinking about the brand and collateral and account-based marketing. Very big area to uncover and, 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 and understand how that is supporting the revenue engine. We'll then get into communications and culture, hiring. There's, there's a lot of elements to it. And, and our goal you know, is not to just confuse or provide a level of data extract and information to a customer to make it very difficult to understand how they should ingest all this. It's to inform them so they understand the complete picture, but most crucially then to say, well, what are the three to five things we should do now? All these other things you've told us about are incredibly important. It includes things that we didn't identify. But most of all, how do we focus on the three to five things that are going to help us move the needle today? And that comes out in the form of a recommendations that sits alongside that diagnostic. That is so much to cover. I'm, I'm already kind of like spinning at the thought of it. But as long as I simplify this down into get the revenue operations sorted, get a sales playbook sorted, and make sure that you've done some thing that is a diagnostic to be able to understand your strategy, how your sales and marketing, customer success and culture and communications feed to meeting that into the customer base. So there's a question then for me in the way that we've set up the growth practice at Launchpad, Richard, to what extent do we offer that support to the companies in the portfolio? How do we work with the likes of AdviseWell here to be able to support the portfolio? Right at the moment, we're about to roll out our growth program. The core of the growth program is to really help the companies and enable them to tackle this scaling journey. As a starting point, we will actually be running a diagnostic, be a self-diagnostic. And one of the benefits that we see when designing this with Visewell team was holding a mirror up to the portfolio companies to help them also see it for themselves, because it's all very well to be recommended that you should do something. But actually, sometimes you have to see that in your own eyes and start to appreciate what the value of that process looks like. So and then having run that diagnosis with them, we'll then allocate where we think the highest point of impact is in terms of what to tackle first. And, you know, frankly, when it comes to building out a business and scaling it, there are certain key tenets that everybody should be focusing in. So, you know, Fred referenced there around your TAM and your SAM, so your addressable market, your ideal customer profile, right through to actually like, what is the, what is the structure of the team we need? Who do we need? Where do we find them? <clears throat> Compensation through to, you know, marketing tactics and so forth. So we see this as a, a key part of, of our offering within Launchpad that you know when when the companies come on board, not obviously do they get some very smart capital, access to to BP Group and uh, actually signing contracts internally within the within the customer base or the or the um, the network, but it's also we're going to take them on this journey to help them recognize and scale fast, and that's one of the ways that we think we can help them achieve five years of growth in two years. Maybe we could explore. Maybe this is with Jess and Fred because I know you're both members well exec chair and then kind of leaning on the tech group with the revenue collective 
Um, is this like an even bigger group where revenue is certainly everybody's issue and this becomes a global thing across loads of startups? I mean, tell us a little bit more about that. And if there are listeners that are founders or kind of investors connected through, what is this thing and how valuable is it to everything that we've just described here? Yes, I mean, Revenue Collective started as a dinner club in New York and it was really designed for sales leaders to get together and, and frankly share and you know figure out often common solutions to issues that we were all facing. And it grew from that pretty quickly into a business. It's four or five years old at least at this point, but particularly over the last couple of years and particularly again during COVID. And I think the way to think about Revenue Collective is this, it's, it's a little bit like LinkedIn in the sense that it's a community that is networked, but the added value that we provide is a ton of resources and support for people both in their careers and by extension, therefore, the organizations they work for. So we run something like 20 webinars a week at this point on a variety of topics that members can attend relative to what they want to learn about. We use a platform called Guru to put all of the content and information that gets shared over our Slack channels in an easy sort of digestible format. So when you're in a situation where you're at your desk and you're thinking, how do I solve this question? There's probably a load of people that you could go to, but now Revenue Collective has become that primary resource to answer those things, either by talking and discussing it with a peer member or going into Guru um, to, pr uh, to pull all that information uh, for you. And so this sort of self-help, this sort of organic way of serving each other is really enabling a leader's sales marketing. We now have an operations function to become better at their craft. Uh, that's fascinating on the revenue collective. Sounds like a really interesting group to kind of connect through to. It, I may come back to our top question, this revenue is everyone's issue. After the reflection on what is a short conversation, but covered a whole range of different topics from revenue ops to sales playbook, to diagnostics, to actually even communications and culture. From your point of view, Richard, you know, is revenue everybody's issue? Absolutely. Revenue is at the core of business. It's essential. Uh, without revenue, of course, there is the companies will struggle and the, they'll end up in the, the valley of death. So absolutely, front and center. Jess, tell off the opinion it's not. Of course it is. I mean, you know, no revenue, no business, right? But the way in which we drive revenue and, and acquire revenue and customers, and I think that's where we usually break down and we try to be all things to all people. And I think, you know, to, to Fred's point, knowing your serviceable, addressable market and making that as specific as possible, as early as possible, allows you to really master the revenue process for that segment of your business and then to scale to adjacencies or to go deeper. So it is and it isn't. I'm still doing the takeaway of make sure I've got the revenue ops in place. We know what that's all about. Fred. What do you think? The challenge for companies is what to do and in what order. You know, there is, we believe, a right way to scale. And we do not believe that it's based upon solely building out sales capacity. You have to understand all these other constituent parts. And a big part of this discussion is today being around RevOps and their role, and also marketing being the engine. And so I think for companies, um, it's daunting, isn't it? You know, there's a lot to learn out there. There are many approaches and methodologies. There is a ridiculous amount of technology, some of which is astonishingly good. But for CEOs and, and leaders, how do they get their arms around it? 
people like us and many others in the industry, Revenue Collective, which by the way, has a very large London chapter, are there to help you and put all that together in a way, in a form that you feel that you can consume it and most importantly, adapt and execute on it. Right. And maybe I'll stay with you there, Fred. What's the one piece of advice you would give a founder, the head of sales, a new chief commercial officer coming in to get the equation right? Well, the number one thing for any organization is people. Again, we've used the word or the expression state appropriate a lot today, but at any stage, having the right people in the company is absolutely critical. There's going to be heightened importance at the early stage purely because you're not going to have many and criticality of making mistakes then manifests itself as you grow, but it's for any stage. And how you hire people, um, the process you use for assessing people, how they fit with your culture, the expectations that set for them, how they're trained and developed, how their career is path. These are all, I've probably missed some things out there. These are all critically important things. Wrong people on the bus, you can end up in the wrong place relative to the performance and growth of the company. Same question for you, Jess, because that hits one of Richard's for people, market, operational capability and the product market fit. People, from your point of view, Fred, that's key. Make sure you get that right. What about you, Jess? Being an observer of what you're doing and measuring the way you go to market every day and ensuring that you understand the inputs and the outputs relative to that strategy. And by having a view of of what is working and what isn't, and by paying attention as a founder to the process you're taking and, and the methods by which you're acquiring and delighting customers over time, putting a focus on that much more than we see founders do today is really important. And and tied to that, I think it's also about communicating the value exchange or the give and take that you're willing to engage in as a founder with your people. And so that's what helps to make the pain of scaling palatable for all the employees that are on the bus and assuming they're the right people. And then from you, Richard. The big thing for me, I think, is around getting to that point where you've truly secured a repeatable and scalable growth model. And let's not forget that typically in the technology sector with venture capitalist investors, they're expecting big returns. And in these sorts of markets or categories, you typically end up with one winner. So the importance of building a machine that you understand for every dollar you put in what the output is absolutely fundamental. So I think the winners, the lesson to be learned is to think, how do I secure that? And be wary of those sort of spikes in revenues. They're not always good. You want to have a much more a mathematical, a scientific approach, and then you'll be in the winning lane and reap all the rewards. So if I was to break this down into revenue is, of course, everybody's issue. But to get to revenue, what you need to make sure that you're doing is that you're getting to an operational excellence. And finding and getting to that operational excellence means that you really do need to be an observer of your own business. You really do need to understand the inputs and the outputs and ensure that you're considering that overall approach of strategy, sales, marketing, customer success, and culture and comms. And if you had to have a couple of things to just break that down to actually get there, number one, focus on revenue ops, your CRM, your automation, and your key metrics. And number two, build out the sales playbook that is appropriate for the stage, the customer base and everything that you're going after. Two points of interest, because I think there's some stuff that the portfolio or that we're doing in Launchpad that is around the evolution of the growth program, which is quite exciting. And then the second thing is obviously doing a plug for um, one of the books that we've written at Launchpad, which is around 
the Founder Handbook, How to Get to Your First 10 Enterprise Customers, available on Amazon pretty soon. But tell us a little bit more about what the portfolio we're going to get and lead us out, Richard. So obviously all of what we've covered today, we've had this at front of mind since we actually built Launchpad. And so we have a really strong blend of experts internally within the business across your first customer when it comes to marketing and the revenue operations, and of course, the strategic part, understanding the market. But we also recognize the benefit in having the experts on the outside we bring in and work very closely with such as, such as AdviseWell. So our portfolio companies are very well positioned to tackle this fascinating, but obviously magnificent challenge they have in scaling their companies. And of course, aside from our internal external experts, the growth program is going to be really, really, really helpful to our portfolio companies. In there, we've packaged up all the key elements that we think are fundamental to success. So you know, right from your go-to-market in terms of you know, your TAM and your SAM piece, process and operations, how to run marketing, the tech stack, how to go after the next customers, also how to report to board and keep your investors happy, and right through the full planning cycle as well. So you know, with the growth program, they're going to be fully enabled to go ahead and deliver these big results. Delivering revenue is king, you see. Full circle. That closes us up for another episode of Frankly. Thanks, everyone. Thanks to Fred and Jess for kind of coming along. And to Richard, really interesting to hear what's happening in the growth practice. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.